You are now tuned in to episode 64 of the IBU Podcast. My name is Jay Torres, and with me tonight is my co-host, Nick Pro. Nick, what are we drinking tonight? Tonight's beer, Jay, is a beer by Noble Aleworks out of Anaheim. First and foremost, do want to give big props, big thanks to listener, friend of the show, Jeff at brew underscore scout on Instagram, if you want to hit him up there. He was gracious enough to send us up another Noble very special can and we do say that a lot for a lot of the show beers jay but this one is indeed special because this is the caniversary two another caniversary and this is a triple india pale ale one of our favorite styles i guess in the india pale ale family yeah you say jay i want to say triple triple is you know i think triple is quickly gaining momentum in terms of a favorite style for me personally just because as of late yes. I've been having quite a few good ones <laughs> whereas before they were a little bit hard to come by okay um but yeah noble is definitely cranking out some awesome beers this is the second one that Jeff has sent us up uh the previous one was the creature of the Merc lagoon if you remember that one Jay I, I do recall that we both enjoy that one quite a bit and I think that this one has the potential to follow suit, at least by the initial whiff that I got when I cracked the candle. Yeah, open. yeah, I just cracked mine as well, and that's, that's the first thing I noticed was was the aroma. Uh, so yeah. I'm just reading off the. Let me read off the the copy from the Untapped website. Uh, another mm-hmm. can another anniversary means another caniversary. In fact, we named it Caniversary Two. Another caniversary. Huh. So much <laughs> clever. Am I right? This year's New England Triple IPA recipe is a culmination of everything we've come to learn over the course of the last 12 months, and we couldn't be more excited to unleash its juicy goodness to the world. And we both mentioned it right off. The the aroma is what uh, caught us first. Yes. Yes, Jay. Absolutely. Ooh, I'm, I'm, awesome. getting, I'm getting big tangerine on, on the aroma for me. I'm Not getting, quite. I'm Go getting ahead. a lot of dankness. Um uh in terms of the fruit i'm getting some pineapple a little bit yeah yeah a little probably like a little bit of candied pineapple there i'm getting a slight bit of um of orange but definitely more so tangerine if 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 i were to call the aroma orange in any capacity i'd probably call it candied orange and i suspect that those notes are coming in due to the uh the high abv uh, which clocks in at, let me see if I can see it here. It is I can't 10%. Find it. 10? It's, I, know it's, I know it's over 10%. Yeah, I looked it up. Um, yeah, it believe- says 10.6 on untapped. But we, but as we found out, those it's often not accurate, but yes. it says 10.6. Yes, that's where I did see it. I did pull it up right now. And we got some... Great citrus coming in on the aroma here, Jay. What about the appearance? It looks like a triple IPA that we've had before, <laughs> or that type of style, right? Yeah, yeah. And I would, I would classify this as hazy and murky. Um, it wasn't. Yes. Wasn't like um, what do you call? It? I forget. Oh, the 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 peach the peach milkshake IPA mm-hmm. that we had from Toolbox. Mm-hmm. It's it's yeah. not on that side of the spectrum, but it's definitely you know, murky, hazy. Indeed, indeed, yeah. And, and you know, it's interesting to really take a look at the different variations of the quote-unquote New England style 
And, you know, it's going to be really interesting to see how a lot of those beers look when they're categorized in the same category at the Great American Beer Fest, uh, like we talked about last show. And just beer to beer, brewery to brewery, you know, again, that that hazy, murky style that you mentioned, Jay, can be anything from a very creamy, super thick, can't see through it at all, to a fairly translucent, can't see it at all kind of appearance like we have today. Mine is one of those where if you hold it next to like a light source, it, it kind of looks like it's glowing from the middle right. or the other side of the of the um of the glass yeah, for yeah. me. So though it is definitely hazy and murky, it's definitely on the on the other side of the spectrum in terms of that um that clarity level or that murkiness in terms of it not being that cre- on the creamy side. We got to yeah. come up with like a scale or something or <laughs> yeah, that'd be kind of an idea. IBU yeah. podcast official <laughs> sliding scale for the appearance, exactly. but um Definitely looks great though. Um, aroma is is definitely there. Uh, Going to be interesting to see if um, this can compare to other recent triple IPAs that we've had in terms of balance and the, and the well hidden ABV. And Jay, there's only one way to find out. All right, let's do this, man. Ready for this? Cheers. Cheers. Indeed. Cheers. Hmm. Okay, good. That's that's really good. I can't taste the ten percent. Okay. It does not taste okay. like 10.6. It's, yeah, first and foremost, just to answer the question I just posed, definitely, definitely well hidden. I taste a little bit of, I can taste the alcohol in the sense that there's a little bit of a bite for me personally um, on the kind of the initial finish and definitely on the on the back end of the finish, but it is in no way a, a like a, like a, um, like an alcohol burn for me. No, no, no. Um, it's just, it's just it, the the alcohol presence is definitely detectable for me. It's assertive, but I think that it works well overall because it definitely counters that candied citrus that I'm getting on the initial, um, I don't know, palate, if you will, or the initial part of my tongue. Uh, but definitely really bursting through. Um, this can, by the way, was canned. This does not have a date. On the can, I don't know about yours, Jay. I don't think Noble no, date I don't stamps. See, I don't. I don't I'm, see one on mine now. Yeah, yeah. I don't think they do. But if I recall correctly, this is from early March. Okay. We are recording. Yeah, we are recording April the third. So a little bit, either either mm-hmm. little over a month or a little bit shy of a month. I don't know the exact date, but definitely has held up well. Um, big, you know, citrus coming in like we like we're discussing, and the balance is is there and um i i can see how this is definitely a a, a culmination of what N- noble has learned in in the past year and a good just um you know throw everything in the pot and this is what we came <laughs> up with type of deal you know in terms of experience and past beers and i think that this is for someone that hasn't sampled a whole lot of noble beer beers to be quite honest i can i can see how this would be a good representation of their past year uh, the things that stand out for me are the mouthfeel. It's super smooth. Uh, this being a triple IPA, being at ten point six percent, it goes down super smooth. The the mouthfeel is 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 pillowy. I wouldn't say it's it's substantial. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, taste wise, it's very sweet to me. Like um, you mentioned in the aroma, you got a lot of candied 
fruit and yes i didn't get that um through my nose but tasting mm -hmm. it it's definitely sweet uh, yes. and again i did not i don't get a lot of the burn which mm -hmm. which i appreciate and um mm -hmm. i have a feeling that we're gonna see the effects of of this beer as the hour oh, yeah. goes on but um yeah Dangerous. i've been a fan of noble uh, for for years it's been a mm -hmm. I, th I think bef um, before Jeff sent us that other can it's been years since mm -hmm. I, I've had Noble when they were first starting out and I'm, I'm super happy to see them you know can their second anniversary beer so that, that's, that's yeah. awesome yeah and, and I do want to quickly mention that you know it's um, it's it's really interesting and I have to admit that when I first saw the can and I believe on the Instagram, they posted a few different shots of the can. Great artwork, by the way. It has a nice birthday cake kind of color scheme and look to it. It's got nice, bright uh, blues and pinks and yellows with a black background. I mean, the can can design is is, is awesome. Um, right. There's yeah, like yeah. a little kind of a crown-looking cake with right. uh, candles with hops at the top. Yeah, I just noticed so that. That's yeah, funny. so I think I think they I think they really nailed it on this. But um I did want to mention or read actually the wording that they included or that they put on the side of the can uh, because I thought it was really catchy and it actually kind of kind of fooled me in in a weird way I'll explain. So let me just go ahead and read it. Um it must be our birthday because our 7th anniversary beer is a frosty, juicy, hazy, triple-layered cake of IPA goodness that we canned for optimal optimal mouth pleasure. And what I was alluding to a minute ago, Jay, was I saw the can and I saw that wording on Noble's Instagram, and I kind of did a, um, a quick scan of the wording because the way that it, the, the wording is laid out, you'll see it. Um, if you go to Noble's Instagram, it's um, kind of stacked wording. It's like a lot of the, like every word is a different color, and it's the same color scheme as the can. Mm -hmm. And I and I kind of like quickly like glanced at it, and I read like some of the big keywords. Like I I read frosty. That one really stuck out to my brain for for whatever strange reason. Yeah. And then I saw like triple layered cake. And I was like, whoa. And then, you know, I saw the front, of course, the cake artwork. And I said, they're going to do a like a cake IPA. I don't know why, uh, but it, I mean, I know why. I obviously, I'm that. explaining why, yeah. but right. I you see, see what that. I mean? Yeah, yeah. So anyhow, it, it, what it was, was, is I had this weird quick assumption that they were doing a concept like that because of all the different styles and concepts that we see nowadays, you know, like Jay, you mentioned the milkshake style and, you know, tired hands famously, you know, puts a lot of interesting agreements. Omnipolo, of course, they do a, um, you know, like a like a soft serve hmm. beer that I saw. Yeah, I just saw actually an Instagram post of theirs, and it was just crazy. And I don't know how they did it, but they had what looked like ice cream on the top of a beer, and they even flipped the can over. Or excuse me, they flipped the the um, the um, glass over, and the beer didn't spill. So I don't know how, what kind of <laughs> alchemy they pulled off for that one. But um, yeah, a lot of a lot of interesting styles and, and things being done out there. But anyway, w what I was leading to was, of course, they didn't do that. They didn't do like a cake thing or, or frosting or whatever. But um, you know, definitely use those words to attract you in terms of that side of the can and worked for me. And I got to say, my initial impression is, is I'm pretty impressed with, uh, with this offering from Noble. Yeah. Same here, man. 
So how, how was your Easter weekend? Went well, went well. First uh, Easter for the baby, so oh, yeah, we, How's uh, doing? yeah, it was it was it was nice. Um, had family in town. My brother and his wife drove up uh, from LA. They brought up a little bit of monkish, um, as they do if they're able to hit up a can release. And I had a really well made pilsner from monkish, and that's monkish. something oh, you don't think about. Yeah. yeah, you don't really think about it very much and i do want to quickly mention it it just came to mind um it was a uh, a pilsner came in at like 4.2 percent really easy drinking uh great hot presence whatever hops they use i'm not sure um but just great just well-made balanced pilsner and uh, it was called amen brother and i thought it was very <laughs> aptly named besides monkish and and the kind of the religious connotation and background with with that brewery but also obviously because of the holiday um, but the the other reason I wanted to to bring it up is because if you go to if you're familiar with it or if you go to Monkish's page you'll see it. But even if you go to my personal Instagram at ibu underscore nick, um, I did post it um, over Easter weekend. And if you look closely at the font that they used for the word Amen on the can design, those of you that are familiar with our logo may recognize it, and it's actually the same font that our logo uses for internet beer users. I saw it right away. I'm kind of like a font geek like that, and I, th- I just thought that it was really cool that they used our our, our same font. So great minds think alike, you, right? You pointed that out, and I didn't know what you were talking about. Yeah, yeah. You were like, huh? <laughs> yeah, I, it was. you just sent me a message, and I was just like, I was probably like late at night, probably drinking. So I was like, uh, <laughs> I, I, I didn't put two and two together. You're like, but, it uh, looks okay. cool. I get it now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I, th- I just thought that that was cool. Cool. Um, yeah, so besides uh, doing that, hanging out with family, uh, today we are recording Tuesday, like I mentioned, the third. And earlier I stopped by Cellar Maker, and they did have a double can release today. And I just wanted to quickly shout them out. Because the two beers that they released, uh, one of them was a longtime staple. Uh, I've had multiple times. They do little tweaks on the recipe here and there, but most of the time it's it's pretty much the the, the same uh, recipe for the beer. And it's, of course, Tiny Dankster, uh, one of their flagship pale ales. And uh, it has really great artwork on the can. They actually tweaked it. They had a different design previously. Um, but it's the... Um, kind of has like an it's like a hop man but he's he's elton john um Uh, just a riff off of of tiny dankster in Uh. in terms of the lyrics of the song so really well made super balanced pale ale uh 5.7 percent uh and they they really made this batch really hazy which they've done in the past certain batches some of them are more clear than others uh but it had a had a little bit of that when i visited already and and it was it was excellent but the real star of the show was or is Turok juice and um, oh, Cellar Maker. Yes, so Cellar Maker has done uh, Turok the Mosaic Hunter, which is 100% mosaic, uh, like a West Coast IPA. Really, really good, by the way. And they've, they've released that a few times on draft. And right around Beer Week, because I did have it at Beer Week, and I think I mentioned it on the show, I had it at the brewery around the time it was released as well, they did a riff on it, which was um, Turok juice, which was kind of like a hazy style of Turok the Mosaic Hunter, all Mosaic hops, but just super New England Northeast style. And they actually canned it. The artwork is amazing. It's um, you know, Turok the Dinosaur Hunter themed yep. the old Nintendo sixty four game, of course. <laughs> and it has a um, you know, the 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 Turok 
warrior, warrior guy fighting off a dinosaur and that the font uh the text work is is tremendous and what's really funny about it is i got home and i was looking at the cans um you know because again they just they nailed the the can design and i looked at the warrior the turok guy i looked at him closely up close and i go oh my god wait a minute he looks really familiar and it actually it turns out that he's the 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 artist did the you know his face his head it's it's Tim, the head brewer <laughs> at Cellar Maker, and it's I, what really gave it away was he has a little um, like a little rat tail um, <laughs> hairstyle, oh, and you can he had it on the on the design oh, of the can. So those of you out there listening who are familiar or are in the area or got some cans, um, check it out. It was just a really nice touch uh, from the artist, and the beer is amazing. So I would say this is. One of the best, if not the best, seller maker can release that I'm aware of that doesn't feature a collaboration beer, you know, like a big, like Monkish or other half or whatever. Um, this is just all seller maker beer and just two just stellar beers. So, um, really looking forward to digging in on those. And, uh, Jay, what about you? What'd you, what'd you get into over the Easter, Easter weekend? Um, <laughs> I did a lot of rearranging. So, we, uh, uh uh, so we're in a two two bedroom apartment, and for the longest time we had um we had a loft. So my daughter had a loft uh bed, mm-hmm. and then underneath was a desk area where she could do her homework, and which is where mm-hmm. I would record this podcast. Okay. And uh, my son, he is two going on three. Um, he would be. Sl- uh, mm-hmm. Up until now, he'd be sleeping on the floor on his little. It's called a dockatot. We got it for mm-hmm. him when he was like a tot, like you know, like less than one, around one okay. years old, and to kind of help him sleep because he is the worst sleeper. And mm. up until now, he's been sleeping on the floor, and now he's like going on three. He's like huge, and I felt we felt so bad that he was sleeping on the floor. Mm. And so this weekend, we went to IKEA. And I spent my Friday and Saturday putting together, first breaking down that loft uh, desk uh, bed mm-hmm. combination. Mm-hmm. I tore that down, and uh, we went to IKEA and we put this put this bed together. So it's a it's a slide out bed. So there's a bed, a twin size bed for my okay. daughter, and then there's a little slide out portion underneath where my son can sleep on a like a normal twin, uh, twin size bed just felt so bad just watching him sleep on the floor there so i um i spent my entire weekend breaking that down and then putting together this bed and i'm still not done uh fixing their room just trying to figure Mm -hmm. out where to put all the stuff so that loft bed had like a bunch of shelves built in so don't Mm -hmm. really have a place to put all those books um need to put shelves on the walls Mm -hmm. and put those toys and and books somewhere uh other than the floor so right right now they're all on the floor but um (laughs) yeah we did that um easter day we had a we 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 had the eggs for the kids and they went out yeah uh, we went out to the park and and took some pictures just so we can send it to to the family and all that stuff Mm -hmm. um my daughter is on spring break right now so Mm. trying to you know, usually she's at school, but now sure. <laughs> we got we got to <laughs> keep her occupied. You know, take her yeah. out during the day and stuff. Um, yeah. She's actually into this game called Fortnite. Have you heard of Fortnite? 
I I have I have um, I hadn't heard of it originally, but obviously it's making waves on the App Store, mm-hmm. and uh, I just saw that it was previously invite yes. only, right? Yes. And they recently actually I think it may have opened been yesterday up. they released it, just opened it up to the public. So what how does yeah. it work? What is the what's the point of it? <laughs> how does you it- know, it's funny because <laughs> I ju- I've heard I've I've heard of Fortnite. And I have to keep on top of all the games because I have a nine-year-old and like I got to make sure that all these games that she's heard of or, or wants to play are, are appropriate. Sure. And I've, I've heard of it and I assume it's one of those games where, you know, in-app purchases are a thing and you try to just mm-hmm. build up your character, et cetera, et cetera. And we downloaded it. Um, I, yeah, we downloaded it yesterday. Like you said, it was open to all on iOS. Mm-hmm. So I downloaded it. We played for a little bit. I still don't get it, um, but I but I start. I opened up my account and um, we played for a little bit yesterday. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we're we're just we're we're planning to take a trip later on this week, mm-hmm. uh, just like like a mini vacation for for spring mm-hmm. break. Um, but in terms of beer, I mean, I'm I I was like scrolling through my Untapped. We've been to IBU pretty often, just because mm-hmm. any chance that we get, my wife and I together, we'll just be like, okay, what do you want to do? Let's go to IBU. Let's have a drink real quick. Um, yeah. I think the last time we went, I had a haze phase from Moonraker. Oh, okay. Yeah, solid, solid beer. I think on Untapped, I I gave it a four, and I just mm-hmm. put on as my comment, this is a standard Moonraker beer. Which is to say, it's excellent. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, Moonray. I don't think they can do no wrong at this at this point. Um, right. Over the weekend, we we went to Original Gravity. We haven't been there in a minute, so we went to Original yeah. Gravity. Had some of their the sausages. Mm. Remember oh, that from from uh, Dub Dub. Oh, love loved them. Mm. Yeah, we went on. When did we go? Sunday? I think we went on Sunday, and uh, okay. I for, I I forgot what we got <laughs> in terms of beer. I was just like, <laughs> um, she got something. Always she, a gra- Oh, it was a great selection over there. Yeah, yeah. She got a, a beer from. Uh, have you heard, have you seen uh, Novo out of Chula Vista? They, yes, start, I yes. have. They're mm-hmm. starting to distribute more and more. They have it at IBU, and then we saw them on the tap board at okay. Original Gravity. And she, you know, I'm from San Diego. She, you know, she t- kind of gravi- gravitates to to beers that I like, and, and especially beers mm-hmm. from San Diego. So we had. Mm-hmm. She mm-hmm. had that. I I honestly forgot what I got because. I asked the dude for like, hey, what do you have that's like New England North Northeast IPA style? And he's like, oh, try this, try that. And I don't know if he was like super super knowledgeable. Like the the, mm-hmm. <laughs> the beer that he poured me was not hazy. It was kind of like mm-hmm. more brown than than yellow or mm-hmm. golden. Mm-hmm. But whatever, the the food was good. Um, yeah, it was fine. We had a good Sunday, but um, yeah. Cool, man. Well, you mentioned San Diego, Jay, and we have to mention something to the listeners that is not the most exciting or I guess that's not the right word, not the most positive news. In fact, it's it's bad news, and it has to do with a staple in the San Diego brewing community, uh, longtime just, you know, OG in that area, and that, of course, is Green Flash. Jay, what's this news with, with Green Flash that just hit? Yeah, so I'm in a group chat with with my buddies uh, from back home, and they posted this link. Green Flash Brewing has foreclosed, sells Green Flash and Alpine assets. So basically, Green Flash went out of business. 
Uh, Comerica Bank has foreclosed on its loans due to outstanding debt and poor business health, and that Green Flash and Alpine Assets have been sold to a risk management company in Michigan named. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's a bunch of letters here. WCIPA LLC. So uh, just reading that, it sounds like West Coast IPA LLC. Right. Yeah. <laughs> How funny. It's like they it's like they were like, okay, what what do we, what do we, what call, do we call it? Let's call it the best their flagship beer and just call it an LLC with that. All right, yeah, that'll work. <laughs> yeah. I saw this and I at first I had to check to see if it was an April Fool's joke because um when it hit. It's it's yeah. it's April third and April April first fell on Easter Sunday and um yeah. funny, I, I didn't see too too many April Fool's pranks, but were close enough when uh i saw my buddies post this i was like is this is this really real did they really file uh, mm-hmm. or did they really go out of business and i read the article and i followed the links and yeah it's it's definitely true yeah um so they expanded out to the to the east coast um yep uh, in in the article it says after a general slowdown in the craft beer industry which i find hard to believe uh, coupled with intense competition, they could not service the debt that they took on to build the Virginia Brewery. Mm-hmm. And in early 2018, the company defaulted on its loans. They couldn't pay off its loans, and they had they were forced to shut down. Yeah. And um, go go ahead. What what, what do you think about this? Well, before, I, I, before I jump in, yeah, I, I you know it's funny because I think that I think it is a combination of, of those two factors that ultimately led to their demise but i think more than anything it's kind of the shifting tastes of beer drinkers out there yes especially obviously craft beer drinkers and you know take a trip back to you know six seven eight ten years ago whatever and green flash was killing it and i really remember when I first got into craft beer around 2012 or so, like I mentioned on the show, um, they were one of the first breweries that I discovered kind of in my craft beer journey and looking at similar IPAs to Lagunitas. And I just remember tasting their West Coast IPA for the first time and just being blown away yeah. and thinking to myself, wow, this is like, this is better than Lagunitas. This is this is <laughs> this is like wow. This is an amazing IPA, and you know they had it on draft at my local Buffalo Wild Wings years ago, and I just remember going a couple of times with my buddies for happy hour, and they would have the big um, like twenty four or twenty two ounces, like for the price of a pint or something, mm-hmm. and I just remember going and just having you know two or three of those and just being ripped. You know, <laughs> it's like, and just because the, they would go down so smooth, you right. know, and just, I, you know, again, just great memories surrounding that. And, and I remember, too, another random memory. Um, they had announced, I think it was the first time that they were doing it, probably around 2013 or even 2014, probably 2013, actually. And it was their Green Bullet is mm-hmm. what they called it. It was their triple IPA. I don't know if there's it was their first triple IPA, but I remember that it was around the time that I was uh, finding out about Pliny the Younger. Okay. And I'd really liked their West Coast IPA. So I saw it and I was like, oh, you know, I got to get that. And I even remember putting it in, I just downloaded Clear for my iPhone, if you oh, remember the, Clear. The, the To Do app. The To Do app, yeah. yeah. And I remember having a 
beers to try list (laughs) and green i just i I really wanted to mention this just because it's just funny just (laughs) mentioning everything and with the show and all that but it was on my to try list and i remember going around different places and different bars and looking for it and i think i finally found a bottle at i think it was like a bomber at like bevmo or something and i couldn't tell you how it tasted or how good it was but (laughs) i just i have a lot of positive memories years back kind of starting out with craft beer with green flash and you know they were very west coast and they stayed west coast and they were very true to their identity did that help them with their expansion and with the way you know the taste of the craft beer enthusiasts are changing in this day and age and and i and i think the answer to that is no um so you know just just sad sad to see and you know the i think what was interesting in the announcement was that this llc acquired the assets and they actually named the president the past president mike hinckley um they named mike hinckley as one of the board members or somebody that was on yeah you know, on staff. So it's like, hmm, are they just going to sell off assets or whatever? Are they truly going to keep things going and rebrand or take a different direction with the the recipes or whatever? That remains to be seen. But, um, you know, it can't help but feel a little, little down in the dumps um, if you're a, a craft beer and even a San Diego beer fan. Yeah, I, I saw this and I was surprised and I was sad. Like, yeah, like you said, it's tough to see a San Diego brewery shut down. Um, you know, I, I'm in a group chat with my buddies from, from back home. And yeah, I, along with Stone, uh, Carl, Carl Strauss and, and Ballast Point before they sold out, <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. you know, one of the early San Diego craft breweries to, to kind of make it, you know, quote unquote, and they help popularize the, the yeah. West Coast IPA genre. You know, like you said, they, they do have a beer just called West Coast IPA. West Coast IPA, and, right? Yeah. And my buddy Joe, um, he's SoCal Beer Life on Instagram. He mm-hmm. he had uh, an astute like kind of take. Um, mm-hmm. He said, Virginia is a tough market. Besides Stone, there are some of the, there are some of the best uh, new generation breweries in the, in the country out there. Um, he mentioned like Vale answer and i feel like uh green flash didn't kind of keep up with the times like you know new england this northeast style is like all the rage right now and i haven't seen that from from green flash i don't know like they i don't think i've seen anything new from green flash um you know i you you see sierra mm, nevada and sam adams like jumping on the on the haze train you know kind of keeping up with the times train that we yeah yeah and and Green yeah. Flash hasn't necessarily done that, I don't think. So I feel mm-hmm. like they it was a it was a combination of expanding too fast and not keeping up with, with the current trends that kind of led to their demise. Absolutely. Couldn't agree with you more. But I mean, even talking about it right now, even though I honestly I couldn't tell you the last time I had a West Same. Coast IPA or anything from Green Same. Flash. Yeah. I gotta say that just being a big nostalgia buff. I, I'm gonna be honest. I might swing by Bevmo. There you go. And just grab a quick bomber and just kind of reminisce and remember where I was at, you know, back in 2012, and just really being excited about these new beers that I was trying. And you know, I, I think it'll be an enjoyable trip down memory lane. Yeah, same here. 
All right, man. So before we get on to our tech topic, we have our very first sponsor here on the IBU podcast. This week's episode is brought to you by the Green Room Beauty Bar in San Jose. The Green Room is a team of estheticians, massage therapists, microblading, and makeup artists. The Green Room was founded in 2008 with the vision of supporting female-owned businesses and beauty products. They offer a wide range of services for women and men. They offer massages, waxing services, and my wife's specialty, microblading. And now, through the Green Room, my wife Mary is proud to offer a microblading course to teach others this valuable skill. So my wife, she's been doing this for over a year. This is her full-time job. This is all she does, and she absolutely loves it. She loves all the feedback that she gets from her clients. She loves providing a service for others, and now she wants to provide, she wants to share her talent with others. Now, if, if you or anyone you know is feeling like unfulfilled in their jobs, if they want to provide service to their clients or is looking for a, a career change, uh, this course is for you. This is an intensive two-day course where she will teach you everything you need to know to become a certified microblading artist. And on top of that, and this is the thing that places don't teach you, uh, the course, the, the class that she took did not teach her this. She teaches you how to market yourself and your business so that you can get clients and make money yourself. Trust me, she's had ups and downs and she's learned what to do and what not to do. Classes start this month on April 21st and 22nd and are offered once a month here on out. And when you sign up, if you tell her that you heard about her through our podcast, you'll save 10% on the price of the class. You'll also get a free starter kit valued at $1,000 to help you get started on your first client. To find out more about the course, just go to their website, www.thegreenroombeautybar.com. Thanks again to The Green Room for sponsoring this week's episode of the IBU podcast. Very nice, Jay, and uh, best wishes to Mary on this. It sounds like a great program. Well, speaking of business and putting yourself out there, I think one of our favorite businesses is going to put themselves out there in a big way and really send a lot of shockwaves throughout the tech industry. And, of course, we have a um, an announcement or a story, a break, if you will, from our good buddy Mark Gurman over at Bloomberg. And Mark had a very tantalizing story that broke yesterday, right, Jay? Yeah, and he's been coming out with these scoops more often and, and – you know, come on, Mark, keep them coming. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, we need stuff to talk about on our podcast. But this one is pretty, <laughs> pretty juicy. Uh, so Apple is planning. He, he came out with this article. Apple is planning to use its own chips in Mac computers beginning as early as 2020. So right now they use uh, processors from Intel to power their laptops and desktops. Um, but According to Mark, as early as 2020, they're going to start providing their own chips to power their Mac computers. Uh, the initiative, codenamed Kalamata, is still in the early developmental stages, but it comes as a larger strategy to make all of Apple's devices, including Macs, iPhones, and iPads, work more similarly and seamlessly together. Uh, the project, which executives have approved, will likely result in a multi-step transition. Um, Intel chips remain some of the only major 
processor components designed by others inside Apple's product portfolio. Uh, right now, currently, all iPhones, iPads, Apple Watches, and Apple TVs use main processors designed by Apple and are based on technology from ARM Holdings. Moving to its own chips inside Macs would let Apple release new models on its own timelines instead of relying on Intel's processor roadmap. And this was huge. I mean, I think we, I, I, I forgot how many episodes ago we talked about how they were going to kind of use uh, the same code base to 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 use to code um ios apps mac apps and apple watch apps mm-hmm. and i think this is even bigger than that um what do you think about this nick is are you excited what do you well, think well i well i'm i'm puzzled because i was listening to what you were saying and the first thing that really struck me was what the heck does kalamata mean oh um, apple is famous for their really funny names <laughs> for code names and stuff that they're working on, um, operating systems, products, etc. So I did actually select the text on my okay. iPad, yeah, yeah. and iOS has this great feature, if you're not aware of it, if you select a word, and um, it should pop up automatically, and it give you a bunch of options, cut, copy, paste, etc. One of the options is, of course, look up. Look up, I, yep. Yep, I did look it up, and Siri Knowledge tells me that Kalamata is the second most populous city of the Peloponnese Peninsula, after Patras in southern Greece, and the largest city of the Homininus administrative <laughs> region. I cannot believe I pronounced all three of those words somewhat okay. Um, but anyway, just a little fun fact for everyone. But I uh, am Jay. The, I'm. Go ahead. Go ahead. The the only the only reason why I know what Kalamata is or means. Oh, have oh. you heard? Of, have you had Kalamata olives? Olives, yeah, of course, yes. yeah. There you I go. don't know why I didn't it didn't like <laughs> it didn't register, and, and it may have something to do with the fact that I'm almost done with this anniversary. Probably. But anyway, let, let me just say first and foremost, Jay, I am very excited. This is something that has been speculated um, upon by many of the pundits out there, tech, Apple, whatever have you for years and especially since the A series chips that Apple does produce in house have be you know have started to get more and more powerful the past couple of years. Yeah. And for those of you that aren't that aren't too aware, um, you know, the the A chips in you know your iPhones and in your iPads that you're using right now, a lot of those recent ones are more powerful than many of the current MacBooks and even MacBook Pros in yeah. Apple's lineup. Um, a lot of people aren't aware of that. You know, Apple touts it a little bit, but doesn't you know really advertise that much. And, and really, the casual user is just not going to be aware of it. But man, Apple, their in-house chip team is just absolutely killing it. So you know, again, as of late, that kind of that theory or that kind of that thought like, oh, what if they replace the Intel chips and MacBooks, for example, with the A-series chips? That has begun to to really gain traction. And sure enough, we got German with this announcement. And Jay, I will tell you, the first thing that I thought of right when I read it was, um, we'll have another link in the show notes as well. And I think we may have mentioned it on our previous show, if I'm not mistaken. But, um, you know, German did come out with an article in December, which actually said, I think we did mention it, that Apple... Apple is planning on um, 
you know, allowing developers to design one single universal app for iOS and Mac OS. And right away I said, okay, it's all coming together. It all, it all makes sense because Apple announces this as WWDC developers start working on apps. And what you, what you start to see is, you know, Mac apps that run on these A series chips on these ARM processors. So Apple gets these developers on board. They start to do them. They start to become familiar with that process. And then later on, I would assume, you know, next year's WWDC, they announced, boom, you know, we are transitioning over to, you know, to our A series chips, to ARM processors. And they've already started that transition phase. And right. to me, this makes a lot of sense because Jay, of course, um, you'll remember, and many listeners will remember, the previous transition, which was from the Power PC chips that Apple used for many, many years, to the Intel chips, and that did occur um, about 2005, 2006. And to me, I don't know about you, Jay, but that was a pretty smooth transition. Um, I, I was using an iBook, an iBook G4, actually, <laughs> um, <laughs> that I had been using for a couple of years, and. During that transitionary period, I switched from that to a to an iMac actually to a 2007 iMac, which which ran really well for me for many year many years, and I don't remember really having any problems. You know, OS 10 was fine. It had Rosetta, which was kind of that emulation yeah. program, which allowed yeah. you to run older programs for for the PowerPC chip on the Intel chip. Um, I just remember it just being really smooth. And and, I mean, it was very shocking at the time that Steve Jobs came out and said, we're switching to Intel. And by the way, we've had, you know, we've had Macs running on Intel chips for the past X amount of years. And everyone was just like, oh, I remember Um, that. Remember that? Yeah. Everyone was just like, holy moly. But, um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited about it. Um, I'm not worried really that much um there are a couple of things that i'm a little bit shaky on but overall i'm just like hey you know i i i read you know the reports i look at the benchmarks and it's really cool knowing that my ipad is just as powerful if not more powerful than the average macbook or macbook pro it's just it's just a cool thought and you know in terms of what Apple is going to be able to achieve in terms of not just performance, but um, but power management on a MacBook using an A series chip. I mean, you know, obviously the iPads are you know they're ten hours, but you know there's got to be other opt- optimizations that they're going to throw in, and um, you know we're gonna I think we're gonna see some insane battery life numbers coming in for these uh, for these particular machines. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm definitely excited about it. Um, looking forward to it, but. Uh, um, the other thing I quickly wanted to mention was, is, you know, portable Macs, I think I'm, I'm, I'm all thumbs up, go for it. But what does this mean for desktop Macs? I, I, I don't, I mean, obviously we're not aware of what the Apple chip team is capable of, but I don't know. It seems a little bit far-fetched knowing what we know, which is, again, we don't know everything. We don't know what Apple has up their sleeves, but you know, how would an iMac work or even a Mac pro or an iMac pro? I mean, I, I mean, do they have that ability right now in this at this point in time? They may, but it just seems like kind of a bit of a stretch to um, to imagine a desktop Mac with an ARM chip at this point. Wouldn't you agree, Jay? Yeah. Um, the thing that stood out to me reading this article, mm-hmm. um, like you said, they they meant they announced this at WWDC in two thousand six. Mm-hmm. And they had the first Intel iMac 
come out at the beginning of 2007. Yeah. That is pretty damn fast if you think about it. Summer yeah. to basically winter, middle of winter, 2007. And I'm all for this. It, it, it makes total, total sense. Um, yep. The only thing that doesn't run on an A-series chip are the Macs, desktop yep. and laptop. Everything else runs on an A-series chip. And I don't know, man, given <laughs> given all the software kind of like uh, missteps that we've had lately, mm-hmm. um, I want to point out, so the latest version of iOS 11, was 11.3 came out this past mm-hmm. week, and it mm-hmm. famously does not have iMessages in the cloud where it kind of, all your iMessages sync through the cloud uh, to all your devices, and it does mm-hmm. not have AirPlay 2 on the HomePod where you can yeah. pair two HomePods together and have mm-hmm. them uh, play stereo sound. And I don't know, man. Back then, like like you said, I remember Steve Jobs going up on stage and saying, like, we've had OS 10 running on Intel for ever since, basically ever since OS 10 has been a thing since, like, 2000, yeah. 2001. And they transitioned the entire computer line, desktop and laptop, from PowerPC to Intel in less than half a year. Basically half a year. I don't have the confidence in Apple to do that, to do whatever they're planning to do now. I mean, granted, their hardware is firing on all cylinders. Their, um, Their chip team... Yeah. obviously has been making huge, huge strides. Every year they come out with a new chip that's like at least twice as fast as the previous year. Crazy, right? Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, here we're talking about hardware, mm-hmm. um, but Apple is a much bigger company now than it was, what is it, 12 years ago? Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. am cautious cautiously optimistic about this announcement i mean it definitely makes sense we could see the writing on the wall we could see that they were going to this the entire time and i honestly Mm -hmm. can't wait like if you look at the if you look at an ipad there they get 10 hour battery life and you know my macbook pro gets three four five hours of of battery life if they were to move to 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 the arm architecture a series chips man I would I would definitely welcome twelve hour battery life from my laptop, mm-hmm. but given yeah. but given Apple's recent history with software, especially I mean hardware they're all good, but in, in terms of software, like mm-hmm. I, I don't have as much confidence as I as I did uh, I don't have I don't have as much confidence now as I did then when it comes mm-hmm. to a, a major transition like this. It's basically like yeah. you know, converting a uh, a gasoline engine car to or no sorry like you know gasoline engine car to diesel or vice versa. You're just like it's a whole new different architecture and sure. I I welcome this scoop from Mark Gurman, but I am mm-hmm. very very cautiously optimistic because I my 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 tr- I mean I I I love Apple I trust Apple but in terms mm-hmm. of executing. And 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 mentioning like the the whole AirPlay two and iMessages in the cloud and the HomePod leak and all that other BS, mm-hmm. I you know I'll, 
my 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 take is wait and see. Yeah, and, and I think what I'm hearing from you, Jay, I, I think that it sounds like you would predict, and I think I'm predicting, that they're going to do it for the laptop line, but not the desktop line. I think that doing the desktop would be biting off way more that they can chew, especially something like the iMac Pro with the power, with those Intel chips. I just, I don't think Apple's there yet, and if they are there... I just think that would be too much, and I think there would be too much of a risk of disappointing their, you know, their creative, professional, um, longtime power users with doing that. I think that I think that they're going to be capable of doing it. I think that okay. Here's the way I put it. I think like Steve Jobs said, you know, I think Tim Cook is going to say we've had MacBook Pros, you know, running with <laughs> ARM processors for the past six years. You know, I think that. He's going to say something along those lines. I don't know. That's just, I, I think that they're ready for mobile Macs. They're not ready for desktop Macs. And I think that if they try to do the desktop Macs as well, it's not going to work out for them. <laughs> Here, here's my here's my prediction. Um, I agree with you. They're going to do the laptops first because um, they're experts at that with the iPhone mm-hmm. and the iPad. Um, I feel like the iMac Pro is kind of like the stopgap uh, between... Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Intel based, uh, whatever computers, laptops, and mm-hmm. desktops, yeah. uh, laptops and desktops. Yep. Whenever this Mac Pro comes out, I think they're gonna just like drop the mic and be like, "Boom, Mac mm-hmm. Pro on ARM. It's gonna blow everything out of the water." I, I, I Mac yeah, Pro. I, I mean, just because that. if yeah. uh, twenty twenty, <laughs> that's like two years away. So let's just say. Uh, but they did say the Mac Pro was going to come out within the next year. Whenever they had that that little news conference or whatever, they they said it was going to come out within a year. So let's just mm-hmm. say the iMac Pro and the the Mac Pro that is that is upcoming is going to be a stopgap mm-hmm. uh, between Intel and then the, the the ARM. So whatever they're going to come out with this year with the Mac Pro, that's going to be Intel. But whatever they have after that, they're working towards converting everything towards towards arm and i think this is going to be i mean for years it the entire history of apple we've we've seen that they're the best at integrating hardware and software they like to be vertically integrated this is probably like the last step right like the the brains of the computer if they can control if they can design the the cpu and make it everything in-house and mm-hmm. and optimize the software, the operating system to to run uh, optimally on the hardware that they design that they produ- produce. Mm-hmm. Yep, this is like the end game for Apple. And like, yes, it, if if I don't know if Apple is still the 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 most valuable company in the world. Whenever this this thing happens, it's just gonna mm. solidify that even more. Like, oh, I'm an Apple yeah. fanboy. <laughs> Like I, I have a card in my wallet that says that I am, but like, oh, where'd you get the... that, man? Can I have <laughs> I one? It, I got it from Tim Cook. Um, oh, okay, nice, nice. This is, yeah, this is just working towards that, and you know, I have my MacBook Pro, and like, it, yeah, like my wife's iPad lasts longer than than this laptop of mine, and and right? I can't wait until whatever they're working on in the labs over at Apple Park, but like. Yeah. Once the Mac, I hope. I mean, I hope to God that the Mac and 
all the desktops and the laptops continue on and that they're just not concentrating on iOS. Like whatever yeah. vision that they have that they're just going to use, you know, iOS, they're just going to mold iOS and, and the Mac mm -hmm. together, whatever the future holds. I'm like, I'm all in on that. And like, this is just like the first step in that. So I'm super yeah. excited to see where this goes. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, Apple famously has always wanted to control the whole widget, right? Be exactly. the masters yep. of their of their masters of their density, like George McFly <laughs> would say. And and this is this is again, they're on the they're on the path for that end game. And you you may recall Jay a few weeks ago, I think it was German that said it too. Man, this guy Gets all he, the scoops. He, he's, he he's on a roll now. He was kind of slow out yes, the gate, but now he he's was. just like... He was hibernating. Yeah, man. Yeah, totally. And and German announced a few weeks back that Apple is actually working on producing their own displays. Um, yes. And, and, and starting to do that. Yeah. And, and, and it just it just makes sense. This is what Apple is working towards. And, and Jay, I, I loved your wording that you used. It's, it's the end game. Right. And that's exactly what it is. And to me, again, super exciting. I get the skepticism, Jay. Absolutely. You know, the Apple of today is nowhere oh. near the Apple of 12 years ago in terms of the size of the company, yeah, you know, the amount of users that they have you know, everything that they have going on. Um, and I think that the fact that they still try to operate like that small business of, quote unquote, of 12 years ago today is kind of what hurts them a lot of times in this scenario. I think that's another tech topic for another show. But <laughs> yeah. but I can see the I can see the skepticism. Absolutely. But, um, you know, the, the, the thing that I keep going back to when I read all this and I think about all this is, man, what am I going to do about my 2011 MacBook Pro? That is ancient, <laughs> and I'm due for a new one, but this report just came out, and am I just going to have to wait until the ARM ones come out? I might just have to. I don't know. It's, <laughs> it's, it's my conundrum that I'm facing now, Jay. I say you buy one now. I mean, it's 2018 now, and they're saying 2020 whenever this happens. I think yeah. two, three years. I, I'm pretty sure going to yeah. have a transition period. So I think you should definitely upgrade your laptop now. I can't believe I, you're, uh, you, you have a laptop that is... That is non-retina. It's 2018, oh, man. Get with the every, times. Yeah. My MacBook Pro disgusts <laughs> Jay. <laughs> oh, man. I, I, how are you doing on your beer, man? Oh, I've been done with it for quite a oh. while. Uh, oh, I, 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 was, I, I, <laughs> I finished my beer, and I was shocked that I finished it at the point in the show that I did. <laughs> I looked down, and I was like, oh, oh, oh. All right, man. So I guess you, that means I'm, that means I'm first, first, right? Okay, first. yeah, definitely. So again, just want to give major props to Jeff at brew underscore scout on Instagram. Hit him up. He is a great, great listener and friend of the show and graciously sent us up some Caniversary 2 cans. And I have to say that I'm a fan of the Caniversary 2. The um, uh, other side of the beer I quickly want to read, it says no cake or candles were used in the making of this beer, which I was initially fooled on. But um, it's good that they have that disclaimer on there, which is great. And I do want to say that for a triple IPA, um, I was really impressed with this. Uh, listeners of the show will know that I'm very critical of them. And the main thing that I look for in a triple IPA is how well hidden the ABV is. And, I, and you know, Noble did it. They did a great job with this. Very well hidden. 
It's present. You can taste the alcohol. You know you're drinking a 10.6% ABV beer, but it isn't overpowering. It goes down smoothly. It has great um, hop character with the citrus. Um, Would have liked a little bit more in terms of the mouthfeel, especially since they're they're marketing it as a New England IPA. Um, I would allow that... um, it to be in that category, in my opinion, it definitely is just looking at it. Um, but what I've liked a little bit more creaminess, um, for them to tap in to that frosty adjective, which I love by the way, mm-hmm. that they used and, and give it a little bit more of that, um, kind of that creaminess that we've been talking about the last couple of shows. I, I definitely think that that would have added quite a bit to the beer. Um, but other than that, very impressed with it. Give it a four or five. Whoa, damn. Nice. Yep. <laughs> Um, I definitely enjoyed this beer. Um, I'm from SoCal. I met the dude way, way back when, and I, I did notice on the can, there's a seven on the can where it, where it yeah. kind of celebrates their, their seventh anniversary. So if you yep. do the math, 2011, and that kind of falls around the timeline where I we used to work on a food truck and I went mm-hmm. to their first facility in Anaheim and mm-hmm. this little known brewery invited us over to serve food um, wow. while their tap room was open. And I, I definitely, definitely remember um, the Noble Ale Works back then. And nice. to see them cranking out beers of this quality now, I'm just super happy, super proud of them. Uh, as far as this triple IPA, I'm a fan of obviously of of higher ABV beers. Uh, this this uh, beer, this triple IPA, I definitely like how well hidden, like, like you said, the ABV was. Mm-hmm. I could not tell this was 10.6. Uh, I'm a fan of super strong beers because they get the job done. Mm-hmm. Um, I did not like the sweetness of it. Um, the aroma was yeah. great, like the. When we first cracked the can, that's the first thing that I noticed, and I, I was like, "Oh, I'm super excited to drink this beer." This is the like whenever I I smell that, like, yes, I'm I'm super excited. Um, yeah. it was a little bit too too sweet for my taste. Um, mm-hmm. like you, I like I didn't even think about this before, but they do market this as a uh, New England uh, style IPA, triple IPA, and yeah. the mouthfeel was smooth, but it wasn't. Uh, pillowy or you know in yes. line with other new england ipas mm-hmm. and that i you you kind of jogged my memory and i was like oh yeah it, it, it doesn't remind me it, it's not exactly like a new other new england ipas right um but other than that i mean i would drink probably only one more because this is it's super strong i don't even um, know if i could do that man, <laughs> man. Um, <laughs> i would give this i would give this a 425 i'm only knocking it down because it was a little bit too sweet i don't like that that sugary sweet aftertaste but in terms oh, yeah. of like everything else like like it's everything that i look for in a beer 425 for me yeah and i i think that's a great rating jay and i actually that was my initial rating in my head but I actually bumped it up an extra <laughs> quarter because of the well-hidden ABV for 10.6. Yeah, and I think that, and that's just me personally, and I, I, I think that it's easy if you have like a string of good higher ABV beers that hide the alcohol well to assume that it's something that a lot of breweries can do. But the reality is, is not, not every oh, brewery yeah. can do that. 
you know, and, and I feel like it's a hard thing to do. Oh yeah, absolutely. And you talk about the other halves and the monkishes and and now the nobles for me. And, you know, if you are able to produce a, I don't know, over, let's just say over 10%, um, triple IPA and make it taste like an eight or 9%. To me, that's a huge, huge win and deserve much, you know, you're, you're deservant of all the props in the world. So, um, anyway, great job on that noble. Um, Jay, where can folks send you their picks for their top green flash beers of all time? Oh man. RIP. You got me right there. I was not expecting that. Um, I write at homepolinear.com. You can find me on Instagram and untap that Jay Torres. And I post pictures of beer that I drink over on Instagram at Bay Area Beer Life. Thanks again to the Green Room for sponsoring this week's episode. You can find our uh, show website at www.internetbeerusers.com. You can find our show accounts on Instagram at, and Twitter at IBU Podcast. You can find my personal Instagram account at IBU underscore Nick and my untapped at Nick Pro. Uh, we've had an absolute blast chatting with you all this week, um, you know, sampling another, another amazing beer, and we can't wait to do it again with you next week. And until then, Jay. Until then, Nick. Cheers. Cheers. I just been thinking about it, man. So I just wanted to tell you before I forgot. No, no, that that that's that's a good idea. We should yeah. probably. And I'm gonna I'm gonna the other thing too is I'm gonna be like this, like no, no new iPads, no new iPads. I don't want to spend <laughs> the money. I just bought a TV. You did? Yeah, I was gonna I, I was gonna mention it, but I 4K? feel like I feel like an idiot. Yeah. Well, what happened was you can kind of see it in the background. Um, hold on. Oh, it's on the ground. Yeah, I'll tell you why. So, <clears throat> so my brother tipped me off. Dell was having a great sale for this particular TV. Normally, it's like thirteen hundred, and they were selling it for like I think it was like eight fifty or something. Like it was like fat. I don't remember the exact prices, but it was like a fat sale. And I was just like, taxes are coming and stressing out. And he was just like, dude, he's like, look at look at the sale. And I was just like, you know. So anyway, I was just like, whatever. I pulled the trigger, and um, I have a little like, um, um, like um, it's like a it's like a glass and metal uh, TV yeah, stand. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And it's like my old like 2009 55 inch Samsung yeah. is fits on it fine, right? So stupidly, I didn't think about <laughs> how the base was because we don't want to mount it because we're not going to be here forever, and like we don't want to like f up the walls or whatever, yeah. you know. So I was like, all right, it'll fit on there. No problem. Dude, I unpack it. I put on the base parts. You had to screw them in. So yeah, that's helping huge. me. I'm going to put it there. Oh, it's huge. This is it's a 70, you know? Oh, and I'm like, oh, it'll fit. Bare, like this much, dude. Like uh, two inches does not fit on the things. It's too small. So it's all unpacked. It's ready to go. I was all excited. I was like, yes, 4K, yeah. <laughs> Just sitting there, dude. So we have to go and look for a... Um, yeah, it's fucking embarrassing. Bigger, bigger... Media console. Yeah, exactly. That's our. That's probably Thursday. We're gonna go and look oh, for something. Crazy. What do you, you? You went from fifty-five to seventy. Yes, because okay. I figured I was like, sure, I could do a fifty-five. I could do a sixty-five, but it's just like seventy is like that much. It was. It was good price. Seventy. Shit. That's almost as tall as me. <laughs> <laughs>
Yeah, dude. I was like, it, man. I just decided, dude. I've had a 55 forever, just regular 1080p. Like, two, it's a 2009 TV, dude. It's like old as shit. Oh, it's almost 10 years old. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, you know, it's kind of like my MacBook. It's just like, get with the times, you know? <laughs> <laughs> For reals, man. You got to get rid of that laptop. I mean, you like that? You like that show title? What yeah, was it again? Dude, Jay, I forget, but it was Jay, good. Every time Jay sees my MacBook Pro, he gets disgusted. <laughs> I don't get disgusted. It's just like I'm just, like, oh. dude. I think it's hilarious, man. No, I know it's ancient. It's ridiculous. It's yeah. just I don't know. I'm I'm whatever, dude. I look at it and then I go. I get depressed and then I look at my iPad and I go, eh, at least I have that. <laughs> 